12, Episode 8. Please proceed with care. This podcast contains naughty stuff. Welcome to 12 with Sarah Sloan, a podcast series exploring the 12 different ways a woman is apparently able to orgasm. I want to empower women and those who adore them by exploring the female erotic. I'm on a quest to learn more about my sexual desires and improve my relationship with myself, my body and my partner of 10 years, referred to here as H. If you are new to 12, I recommend you start at the beginning of the series. And if you feel so inclined, please rate, review and tell people about 12 so others can hear about what is being shared. This episode is dedicated to the nipple orgasm or nipplegasm, as it is also known. Worth noting, however, that for most women, the breast is very much part of this orgasm. I'm one of 82% of women who enjoy nipple and breast stimulation. Any really juicy sex session for me will involve a lot of attention given to my wonderful breasts and nipples. As you know from earlier episodes, I'm a big fan of my breasts. So honestly, I can't imagine them not being involved. Although, I'm seeing now that in the future, ignoring them entirely for a whole intimate session could make for an interesting experience in itself. But I digress. If my head is in the right place, H is guaranteed a good response from me if he gives them lots of attention. He can only go wrong if I feel like he just is going through the motions to get to the end goal. Isn't it amazing how if you're sober enough, you can tell exactly where a lover is in their head when being intimate? As Mae West, actress, singer, playwright, screenwriter and comedian put it, sex is emotion in motion. I'm struggling to find an alternative word for breast that I like. Boobs is the least offensive, but something about the word makes me immediately think of the carry-on films and Barbara Windsor running around dressed in various revealing uniforms. Wow, I'm really showing my age here. I find BAPS vaguely acceptable and quite entertaining. Perhaps it's because I love food and so I associate BAPS with tasty burgers. I also get a satisfaction of how it sounds. BAPS. I'm going to stick with breasts and boobs for now. What word do you like to use? Unsurprisingly, before I lost my virginity, my breasts got a lot of attention. I found it particularly satisfying when lovers used to literally bury their heads in them. For me, that was a wonderful feeling, a feeling of being admired and appreciated. I was giving them a gift, and their response said to me, these breasts are so amazing, I have to lose myself in them. I have no idea if that was what was running through these adolescents' minds, but who cares? That's what it felt like to me. It has been a long time since my breasts were the star of the show in this way. As I've said, they are always central to any successful encounter, but I'm delighted that they got their time centre stage again. For me, attempting the nipplegasm was heaven. In fact, I can't stop thinking about it and I've been finding myself somewhat distracted. I know some folks who send each other naughty or downright outrageously rude texts, voicemails and pictures to ramp up the anticipation before a date night. 
I like the idea of this, but it's not something H and I have ever done. In theory, I would love to try a discreet remote control vibrator. H would have the separate control, and he could turn it on without warning. I'd know he was thinking about me, and I'd be experiencing lovely sensations. Considering my average day, however, that could so easily go horribly wrong. I'm not sure I'd want my clitoris stimulated whilst in the frozen food section of a supermarket. My problem is when I think about this scenario, I want to be in a board meeting or a drinks party, not picking up the kids from school. And knowing H, he'd use it for comedy value first and foremost. Too much potential to create chaos for him to resist. But I'm getting ahead of myself. At the moment, we are lucky if we exchange a couple of double entendres and a sideways glance ahead of our time together. For H and I, breasts are great fun and uncomplicated. H enjoys giving them attention, and I love it when he does just that. So when it came to the nipplegasm, we were both excited. I appreciate that this won't be the case for everyone. I can only hope that something of what I'm about to share will spark ideas for those of you who do not currently enjoy nipple and breast play. After creating a positive environment, sleeping children, check. Low lighting, check. Good music, a hot bath for me, a glass or two of wine for H, check. We found the only oil that would pass for massage oil in the whole house. Johnson's and Johnson's baby oil, not wildly romantic, but there you go, and we got started. H began by slowly circling around the base of my breast using his fingers, which were lovely and warm. I followed the advice of an article on Sexpert.com, a brilliantly informative and open American website helping people to take charge of their sex lives. Hand on heart, I find it a little brash, but that's my problem. The information is great. The article recommended that I use visualization to increase my chances of reaching orgasm. So whilst H built the small movements around the base of my breasts until he was fully massaging them, avoiding contact with the areola and nipple, I had my eyes closed and was focusing on my vulva and vagina. Why? Well. Because it focuses the mind on the area which historically has provided pleasure, and also, interestingly, nipple and breast play light up the same part of the brain as genital stimulation. H then brought his hands to the middle of my chest and glided up in between my breasts, massaging my collarbone and up onto my shoulders. This both relaxed me and built up the anticipation. I knew his touch would eventually come back to my breasts, ultimately incorporating my areola and nipples. He didn't rush, and when I looked at him to check he was okay, I caught a glint in his eye that made my stomach flip. He breathed on my still untouched nipples, which really didn't do anything for me, but worth a shot. Then he started slowly circling my areola, and finally, finally. He focused his touch and tongue on my nipples. By this point, I was about to burst with tension and desire. The wooden clothes pegs that we were planning on using as nipple clamps were ignored. I had read 
that clothes pegs make a good alternative to shop-bought clamps. I subsequently read that they are way too strong for a first-timer like myself. I gave them a try when turned on. I concur. Ouch! Too painful for me. I have one erotic book. Just the one. Disappointing, I know. In Manhunt by Kathleen Ross, which was published 19 years ago, there is a scene that involves nipple clamps that are attached with a chain. Having reread this more times than I care to remember, my dreams were crushed when the clothes pegs didn't instantaneously send me into the throes of erotic ecstasy. If I had developed more self-discipline when it came to pleasure, I would have also experienced the feeling of vibrations on my nipples. According to that article in sexpert.com, using a vibrator on your nipples can also be a fun way to reach a nipplegasm. It's a running theme with me though, isn't it? This total lack of patience. So much to learn and master. Next time. There's always next time. In my defence, when our breasts and nipples are aroused, a lot is going on in our bodies. Nipples have hundreds of nerve endings, for starters. And nipple stimulation triggers the release of really fun stuff into our bodies. Specifically, dopamine, testosterone and oxytocin. For those of you for whom these words mean very little, let me share what I learnt through my research. Dopamine is commonly referred to as the feel-good chemical. You will know about dopamine if you have anyone in your life with Parkinson's disease. Dopamine is the chemical of pleasure and is associated with desire and sexual gratification. Testosterone, usually associated with men, is also found in women. During nipple and breast play, it is released, boosting blood flow to the genitals, which makes us more turned on and, in turn, stimulates lubrication. Oxytocin, also known as the cuddle hormone, is linked to passion, affection and bonding. Nipple stimulation releases oxytocin, which is useful because it triggers uterine contractions, which produce an orgasm. Oh, joyful hormones! A third of women can reach orgasm by nipple and breast stimulation alone, according to Dr Kirsty Funk. Yes, funk. You heard that correctly. Was I one of those lucky ladies? Well, I couldn't hold back. Not with H looking so pleased with himself and being so naked. We had hot, fast, excitable sex, missionary style. It was bliss. In my late twenties, one of my nipples decided to give up on its front row seat and retreat back in on itself. Having had two lovely pointy nipples that both looked pretty much the same and responded similarly to attention, one of them, my left one, just disappeared. At the time, I didn't think much of it. I checked it out from a medical point of view and got the all clear. I remember feeling sad for a while, but that was it. Whenever I looked at my breasts in the mirror, I just popped my left nipple out. And if I was with a lover, I would adjust it at an appropriate moment so they wouldn't see. Now I'm with H, I just let it be. He hasn't known me any different, and it is, after all, part of me. According to Western medicine, inverted nipples are caused by adhesions beneath them that bind the skin to the underlying tissues. 
Between 10 and 20% of women have inverted nipples, so I'm not alone. Something I read, however, made me stop and reflect on the retraction of my nipple. Perhaps I've given up on it too easily. No less than four acupuncture meridian lines run through the breast. I have a lot of time for acupuncture. It is, after all, a discipline that has been used by people to restore and maintain good health for 2,500 years. The four meridian lines that run through the breast are the stomach, kidney, gallbladder and the spleen. I have experienced problems with my stomach for years and the stomach meridian line runs straight through the nipple. Interesting. According to Taoist philosophy, a woman's breasts are connected to the energy of her heart. My nipple disappeared during a period of my life when I was single, low on self-love and very lonely. Could there be a connection? Taoists also believe that connecting to, loving and massaging your breasts opens up your heart, which is why they believe in regular breast massages. Additional benefits to breast massages include it connects you to your body, flushes out toxins from the breasts by increasing lymph circulation, increases hormonal flow, which helps during menopause and menstruation, stimulates the endocrine system to secrete anti-aging hormones, awakens your sexual energy, increases lubrication, tones and prevents sagging, and results in fuller, younger-looking breasts. Yes, people! Massaging your breasts can give you better-looking boobs, if that's what you want. These ancient beliefs are supported by modern science. According to Dr Funk, breasts can swell up by up to 25% when aroused. The first time I had a breast massage, I was in Sri Lanka, and I had not expected it. Thankfully, I had asked for a woman masseuse. Being British, I didn't say anything. Instead, I lay back and tried to relax. I decided it was lovely. Since reading about the history and benefits of this practice, I've done it a few times and can share that I found it really relaxing in a way that perhaps only a hot bath can match. It also left me feeling more peaceful and connected with my body. I'd love to coax my nipple back out to join me and I'm wondering if regular breast massages and ongoing attention from H could do the trick. If you fancy having a go, in YouTube, search for Bed Educated, Deer Exercise. Yes, deer as in the animal. I'll include a link in the show notes. Enjoy. Looking at breasts in Taoist terms, as being connected to a woman's heart, it makes it even sadder to think about how they have been treated. The situation is improving, but they continue to be used as sale props for advertising campaigns, as accessories in music videos. If you didn't know any better, you would think they were publicly owned commodities. Then there is the size of our breasts. A lot of my friends who have smaller boobs felt for a long time that they were less attractive because of it. And when I was growing up, if women chose to wear a revealing top, they were responsible for the reactions of others. I was self-conscious of my breasts when I was younger because of the attention they drew. I had to be in a particular mood to wear certain outfits. Then, when I was single, I just gave up. It was easier. I hid my femininity away. But not any longer!
Now I intend to wear them proudly in the world. Post-breastfeeding two babies, I don't care. Breasts can perform alchemy, turning any kind of food from a Big Mac to sushi into one of the most powerful life-giving sources on earth, baby milk. They should be celebrated for this achievement, not just because they look great. And now I see that I don't always need to strap them down and keep them looking a certain way, that I can go braless more often, that they deserve to be freed. Who decided what shape my boobs should look like anyway? Definitely not me. I'm reclaiming them. Am I brave enough to join the Reclaim the Nipple campaign and walk down the streets of Brighton with my breasts on full display? Back in the day, yes, I might have been. I was a big fan of streaking in my 20s. I found it exhilarating and liberating. The last full power streak I did was at a 30th birthday party on the west coast of Ireland. Maybe I should revisit such hijinks. The Reclaim the Nipple campaign calls for women to be allowed to go topless in public in the same way that men are. I feel old-fashioned in my thinking on this because the way I see it, my breasts and nipples are erogenous zones. So to have them out in public feels wrong. I'm not, therefore, going to fight for gender equality using this vehicle. That's not to say I don't salute those who are making a difference through this work. I do. And I totally understand why women are angry. In Lou Paget's book, 365 Days of Sensational Sex, she writes the following. And FYI, ladies, men do not want to be around angry women in the same way women do not want to be around angry men. Yes, that's right. And if Lou had just left it there, I would be happy. But she then goes on to say... Not that you can't have your moments, but you do need to know that a steady diet of anger may cause you to lose a lot of weight, mainly him. I'm highlighting this not because I want to shame Lou in any way, but instead to demonstrate how entrenched it is in our society that an angry woman is an unacceptable woman. I use Lou as an example because even a woman as educated and enlightened as her lays the emphasis on the woman to control her anger. Why doesn't she address both the male and female readers with this last point? Well, because it seems that like female pleasure, female anger also remains taboo. When I watched Soraya Shamali's TED talk entitled The Power of Women's Anger, I felt so angry, as well as validated. Honestly, it was like I'd been let out of prison when she said, and I quote, When we say what is important to us, which is what anger is conveying, people are more likely to get angry at us for being angry. Yes, oh my goodness, yes. H does this to me all the time. I'm just not allowed to be angry. It's forbidden. As soon as I get even slightly angry, it's as though I've broken some secret rule that means I no longer have to be listened to. In getting angry, I lose my right to be heard. And then he's surprised that I get angry. And I know I'm not alone. I've talked to a lot of my female friends about this. If you have 12 spare minutes, please watch Soraya's talk. If nothing else, her insights will give you powerful tools to support future generations, both girls and boys. In a nutshell, 
She calls out the fact that societies all over the world forbid women to be angry, and she goes on to explain the consequences of this. And I quote, When we sever women and girls from anger, we sever women and girls from the emotion that best protects us from injustice. So tits out, ladies. And in this context, I think the word tits is perfect. Our breasts are incredible, just like us. Let's give them the attention, freedom and admiration they deserve. Next episode, the cervical orgasm. Follow and join the conversation via Instagram at 12 Thanks for listening.